You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Today, we're going to dip into the pool of employee retention and talk about ways that leaders can do more to identify the right talent, retain the right talent, and keep your team thriving. My guest today is a lady named Ann Donovan. Ann, welcome to the show. Doug, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolutely. And it's a bit of a custom here. I like to ask my guests to give us a little bit of background, your your maybe life story journey, if you can pack it all into a short abridged, unabridged, what a bridge anyway, a short version of it. <laughs> the cliff notes. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Yes. That it's I've been in the human resources space for over 20 years and I moved into it from operations, but my first, one of my first roles in human resources, I was an employment manager for a large hotel. And as employment manager, I was responsible for recruiting, interviewing, hiring, onboarding. And you know what, Doug, it was the same thing every single week. And we had 46% turnover when I started there. And to me, it was just... I was banging my head against the wall because I wanted to do more. I wanted to see more progression rather than just recruit, interview, hire, onboard every single week. So I started digging deep into turnover and retention then. And over the course of two years through surveys, training and development, looking at our recruiting and onboarding practices, reduced that turnover to 32%. And after seeing that success and the work that I put into it, I decided that's what I want to do through every organization that I worked on because it just helps the company be more successful and thrive if we're not constantly recruiting, interviewing, you get the gist. And so I worked with hospitality mainly, hotels, restaurants, and recently I was with a retail and restaurant organization and a year ago decided to go out on my own so I could work with small businesses on their retention practices and creating a great employee experience because it's usually those small businesses that don't have a dedicated HR person, but they are the ones that suffer from turnover as well. And Small businesses are usually the ones that really can't absorb it like a large organization can. So that's my life's work. Yeah. Well, well, it is such a critical part of of uh, having a a success in business because uh, I'm going to come at this first from the small business lens. Uh, You know, as a founder, as soon as you hire your first person, you've got personnel issues (laughs) to to think about. And uh, the other thing that came to my mind as you were describing everything, I I once had a, a, a Well, he's still a friend, but he once in his career was a large, uh, working for a large global organization, and he had moved up the HR channel pretty to a pretty high level. And he advocated to senior leadership that they needed to redefine the whole role of HR, and he wanted to uh, get out of the 
traditional personnel management. He said, if we can fix our managers, we won't have people problems. <laughs> and um, that was the gist of his thesis. And he got a little bit of traction. What they ended up doing, they shipped him over to Afghanistan to manage a, a deployment they had over there when there was a turnover in the government contracting world. And um, uh, he had a team of about 50,000 employees, global you know, employees there. And he was allowed to kind of put his idea in practice. And it actually worked very, very well. And uh, sadly, when all that was over and the report came in, I, I mean, they were hitting all their KPIs and all their metrics and in a, in a horribly challenging situation but um, employee morale was high turnover was low i mean all the things you want to see in a business but the headquarters still couldn't get their head around that for for the rest of the company so uh, they ended up parting ways and <clears throat> all on good terms but anyway i digress uh the point being i, I think I'm going to start with the idea. There's a lot of talk about employee retention and employee morale and how do you motivate? How do you retain? How do you inspire? But I fear that most of that just stays that it's, it's talk, it's discussion. There's never a lot of practical delivery and execution on that. So where does the leader start? It starts from leadership, but the leaders then they look at their core values and it's not just looking at the core values and it's not just a poster on the wall, but in everything that we do, are we living our values? Is it in our recruiting and job posting and the sources from which we recruit to the interview styles to onboarding and everything starts there. And then I dive into looking at all of the human resources practices from the very beginning, because it's, if you don't attract the right talent, then you're not going to hold on to the right talent. And so it's, what does the job posting look like and how are you enticing competitive talent to interview? But then what does your onboarding look like? Are you grabbing that new hire immediately most new hires decide within the first few months that they're going to stay. And so having a great onboarding process that is engaging, introduces people to senior leadership, gets on board with what the company is doing. And then what is the company doing? People now are looking for the meaning and purpose in the work. And there's a lot of literature on it out there about people looking for that meaning. And it's in every single job from the CEO to the janitor. So how are we helping employees find what they're looking for? And then training and development. Humans want to grow. They want to learn. They don't just want to be stagnant where they are. So what training and development are you offering to your company, to your employees? Some people want to grow within the organization. So identify their skills, identify the skills that they're missing, and talk about career pathing with them. Some employees want to stay where they are. They want to be that individual contributor, and they're great at it. So don't push them into 
promotions and management because that's likely going to make them want to leave. And then salary and benefits are important. People join a company because they want to be able to maintain their lifestyle and grow their lifestyle. So what does your total comp look like? And with benefits, are you offering the benefits that are valuable to employees? I worked in with some companies that were offering every benefit under the sun, but employees were only taking part in a fraction of them. So let's wipe away the ones that aren't a value and really find those ones that can be a value. Right. And I, I could just talk about this all day, Doug. So yeah. I'll stop there. Well, one of the themes, and in fact, I just recorded another show earlier today, and and uh, my guest was also a little bit in the HR realm, um, and we talked about the idea that leaders today need to be willing to look at the holistic approach toward their employees. You know, look at them as a a whole individual, not just a body in a seat or on a desk or on a machine and you know that's hard for some leaders especially those that have been at it for a while that that's a shift that is not being successfully made by all people in positions of authority it is not a shift and it's interesting because i have i was one of those leaders it's no you got to check your baggage at that door and we're just here to work and you're going to put in your eight hours and i'm excited about where things are headed it is a shift it will take time but realizing that the whole person is coming in and how can we as an organization be flexible with them if somebody has kids and they need to drop them off at 7 30 and can't get to the office at 8 15 are we really going to dock them but that employee will be much happier and more productive when they know that their kids safely at school, they don't have to rush in and they're able to tackle their day when they do get in. And everybody has lives outside, regardless if they do have kids or I have dogs. And so it's picking up the dogs from daycare on time and it's making sure that they have time to go run. It's some, I was talking to somebody the other day who is starting a business as a caretaker career coach. So she took care of her dad for years and is now getting back into the job market, but that was her priority. So offering that flexibility, and I do see leaders coming around and it will take time, but the leaders that understand that will be the ones that see help their organizations and companies gather that talent right right well i i, I think that is so critically important and uh, you know let, let's move to the uh, talent acquisition part of this let's talk a little bit about that there's there's an old adage that my HR friends have harped on me about to remember that most leaders in all kinds of business, we hire too fast and fire too slow. And you're nodding your head. So talk about that from your your view. Flip it. <laughs> right. You want to hire slow and fire fast. Right. But everything needs to be done appropriately. So right now with the job market, companies are 
hiring really slowly. The average time to hire is 11 or 12 weeks and putting candidates through eight, nine rounds of interviews, asking them to complete projects. And I think that that's taken it a little too far because candidates do get weary. They don't want to complete those projects and they're going to go find those companies that are right in the middle there. Mm -hmm. One interview probably isn't enough. You want a team to evaluate because everybody's going to see the candidate differently, be working with the candidate differently. So get the team involved, but 11 or 12 weeks, that candidate's moving on. Right. And then with firing fast, it's when somebody's not working and they're not a part of the team, they're not. And a lot of times people could be hindering the team and creating an awful work environment. You want to make that decision, but again, do it the right way. Have communication with that employee. See if they are coachable. Are they willing to learn? Are they willing to improve? Are they willing to do better? And then make decisions based upon conversations with them, giving them the coaching that they need. Maybe they need to be retrained. Maybe it's not the right fit. And so there's different avenues to look at with that. But nobody should be afraid of terminating an employee that's not the right fit. Right. And throwing in a plug for the employment lawyers, if you do have an employment attorney, check with them on termination process. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I did a show recently. I had a labor attorney on this show, and we were talking about that. And uh, uh, basically what I posed to him was the question, you know, and this is particularly true in bigger business. I think managers that have come up the chain, whether it's fact or fiction, they're afraid of firing people for, you know, blowback on the company. And, you know, we're in a litigious society and all of that, yada, yada. Well, that's all true. However, there are appropriate, very legally supported ways to make that happen. But I think the the challenge is more in the realm of starting the official process sooner rather than later mm -hmm. people suffer bad performance bad attitude bad behaviors far too long and that becomes a kind of a cancer on your team because if you're allowing somebody to skate by get by with things do less than acceptable work you're putting a burden on everybody else on the team to pick up the slack and keep things going. And the first damage you're going to cause your, your great people are going to get very disincentivized and, and they're going to want to, you know, basically walk and guess what? They can <laughs> because they <Yeah>. are good. <laughs> they are good and they can prove it and they will be the first to, to walk away. So as a leader, it, Every time I talk to someone in positions of authority and they're suffering with that, they'll they'll say, well, I've got this one person on my team. I'm not sure what to do with them. You know, I'm pretty quick to tell them, all right, forget them for a minute. How's, how's everything else going? How are your other team members looking at the world and how do they feel about the, the work and the culture you've allowed there? And inevitably they'll quickly go to I'm, I'm at risk I, I need to do something about that and you're right okay i can 
I can think less of what I'm thinking about this bad actor and be more proactive in making a change. Mm -hmm. That's such an excellent point. And the you mentioned the fear of managers. Well, I'm afraid to make a wrong step, make a mistake and fire somebody. I'm afraid of having those conversations with somebody. But those, the first part of being a manager or leader is having those tough conversations that will help bring the entire team up. And the other point that you brought up was great, was having that toxicity in one employee will run your great employees out. And then you're just stuck with that one bad employee. Right. So, right. and you well, don't want to do I, that. I, th I think one thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the idea of, of more frequent feedback to all employees, the coaching moments or, or uh, uh, many reviews or check-ins or touch base or whatever people want to call it. I think that's so incredibly vital. And um, the, um, the friend I mentioned that ended up in Afghanistan, um, he had a, a, a tool that he created that he called the Big Five, and it was every employee was asked at month end to turn in a list of the five things they thought they had accomplished for the month and the five things they see and understand as priorities for the new month. And that becomes a discussion point with the manager to to review it. It's It's the manager's chance to give recognition, give accolade, give praise for the things that did get accomplished and get alignment on the things that are yet to be done. And if you've got a person that is slipping for whatever reason, it's a perfect moment to say, you know, yeah, number three here on your list. Yes, you did it. But remember, I had to get somebody else to help you with that. And, you know, we need to, I, I need you to be the one to step up and, and do it all by yourself. And, and, you know, ask them, what, what do they need? Do they need to be retrained, more training? Do they need different kind of exposure? Do they need to be partnered differently? Just basically try to nip it in the bud. Identify it early, act on it. You might be pleasantly surprised that you're going to turn somebody around and, mm -hmm. and they will, in fact, be a motivated, good contributor to your team if you give them that opportunity. Absolutely. It's those frequent check-ins can keep somebody on track, but they also keep people motivated. They're saying, well, wow, my manager recognized what I did and they see what I've I can accomplish. So I'm going to go out there and do even more. Right. And the, you're, I love that resource, the tool that he created with, it gives talking points, but it also keeps the employee accountable that here's the five things I've accomplished. Here's what I want to do next month. And what happens at the end of the month when they don't do it. So that accountability piece is huge when trying to motivate an employee and keep them productive and keep them with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of side benefits on doing a process like that. If nothing else, when it comes time to do your annual review or semi-annual review, however your company may do it, 
you don't have to sit there as the manager and scratch your head and go, oh, my God, what did Ann do in the first month? I don't remember. I, I don't know. Maybe I think it was good, but okay, you know. But no, you've now you've got a, a record of everything that got done, and you can look at that and stack it all up and go, wow, you know, okay. You know, Ann's my rock star, so I need to treat her appropriately for that. Or or Bob is not so much. He, he just still needs training. He kind of repeats the same, you know, less than things. And now I need to step up my action on that. And you've got all that right there. And it's it's not a function of bad memory. It's a it's a data point that you can grab onto and and use to justify whatever case you've got. And even on the on the on the downside, if you're trying to justify a termination, you can show that um, to your HR and your legal people and say, look, this discussion started back in January. You know, I, I had this discussion, I had this issue, then we went to February, we had this continuation, we had a new thing that popped up, blah, blah, March, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, guys, it's time. We, we got to do something here. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, very important. So yeah. let's talk a little bit, Ian, about the whole idea of engagement and motivation to to help improve retention. Uh, that, too, I think for many managers is an elusive challenge. They know it intellectually, but they they fail in pulling it off day by day. What what are some of the things you encourage people to think about? It's thinking about the recognition piece. And when we talk about recognition in companies, it's we, oh, I don't have the budget to have XYZ event, or I don't have the budget to reward them with a huge bonus. Well, it doesn't have to be a huge bonus, which isn't, but it's nice, but it's recognizing an employee when they do something well and the specificity of it is important. So when Bob does go above and beyond and holds on to a customer that was about to leave, like, thanks for holding on to that customer, Bob. We saw what you did and that's great for us. So thank you. And it's recognizing them at the time and place that it happens. The other piece of motivation is goal setting. And unpopular opinion for me is I'm not a fan of smart goals. I like setting goals that are challenging enough so that I want to meet them and I'm proud when I do achieve them, but I don't do the layout of all the specific, measurable, actionable, relevant and time bound. I just set my goals and incrementally work towards it. When people are working towards their goals, it's great when they hit a milestone, recognize them for that. If they miss it slightly, get them back on track, but it's not the end of the world as long as that ball is continuing to move forward. So goal setting can be highly motivational for employees, especially when they achieve something with when it's challenging. And they're like, yeah, I can do that. Look at me. I never thought I had it in me. Now what am I going to do? Right. And so those, to me, are two big pieces of the leadership when trying to motivate and engage. And then another one is just communication. 
is if you see an employee struggling, be bold and approach them about it. When you see that they do need retraining, offer them retraining. See what their needs are and see what the company do can support them in that. So employees are looking for companies that can support them in whether it's career development, it's making sure that they can do the job that they were hired to do. It's a lot of that, those just roll into one. And leaders can get so bogged down in, I have my own job to do, but they need to come up for air and see their entire team, what their team needs, how they can support it, communicate with them, recognize it. And then that makes the leader's job easier when the people issues aren't as great as they had been when opening up those lines of communication and support and recognition. Yeah. You know, the topic of recognition is a, is a popular one that I frequently get into with clients. And, and the first thing I remind everybody is you got to know your people because if your idea of recognition is simply calling them out at the next team meeting and having them stand up and, and receive praise from the audience about whatever it was they did, you run the risk that half of your people are going to hate that moment. They're, they're going to be totally turned off by the need to stand up and, and be recognized like that. Now you're, you're super extroverts and your class clowns that are on your team, they're going to love it. It's their day mm -hmm. in the spotlight. They're, they're going to think that's wonderful. But there are plenty of good workers that aren't going to be motivated by that at all. It'll, it'll be like, oh, God, I'd rather crawl under the desk than have to do that. Um, so the point being, as a leader, you got to learn that about your people. You have to. And, and I've had clients ask me, well, how do I do that? And I go, well, talk to them, you know, ask them. And, and you might use a moment when they have done something well and, and just include it in your discussion. How can I best recognize you for this? What, I, I, I want you to be recognized for, for this piece of work. It was great. You know, what works for you? And, you know, they might say, just put a letter in my file or, you know, something. You, you never know what they might say, but you won't know until you ask. Exactly. And a lot of people, they do want that, as you mentioned, the public recognition, but a lot of others are just, they're self-motivated and they think, okay, I, I know I did a good job. I'm ready to get on to the next thing. And so I love that you bring that up with, talk to them and ask them how they want to be recognized. Yeah. Well, uh, a close relative to that idea is is the idea of celebrating wins. That's another topic I get into with a lot of my clients. I ask them, how do you celebrate wins when your team or individuals on your team have done something really well? Do you celebrate those moments? And often, sadly, the prevailing answer is eh, not so much. You know, it, it's kind of a... And I see this a lot, high energy, high expectation performers, they hit a milestone, they hit a goal, and they kind of go, yeah, that's what I was supposed to do, so what's next? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a, huh, you know, let's, let's, let's move on. And 
you know, I argue that for the team that helped you get there, they need something along the way as an encouragement and a reminder that they are doing good work. They are hitting the mark or exceeding the mark. And, you know, it's it's important to figure out with your team what a good, albeit small, celebration can look like. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I I'm one of my former clients when they had a big win like that, it's they decided as a team, well, we'll just knock off early for the day. And that's what they wanted. Others decided, yeah, we'll go get coffee the next morning together as a team, or we'll go out for work. But a lot of times people, they want to be recognized for it, but they want to say in how they're recognized because not everybody wants to go out for celebratory drink after work or with the, but agreed as a team, you come up with those ways to celebrate because you got there together as a team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and something like that reminds me of a, a page out of Patrick Lencioni's book where he talks about creating a team contract. And I, I've done work with a number of organizations where we've done that teamwork and we've had them come together and actually write out a kind of a contract. And that can be one of the sections is how do we celebrate wins? And again, it's a function of having the discussion, putting it on the table and asking people what they think, what they value, what they believe in. And you might be pleasantly surprised at the answer you get. It it may not need to be that $500 banquet somewhere. You It, it might be just let everybody go early one day and, you know, plan it and announce it and let everybody make plans accordingly. And everybody's happy about that. Mm-hmm. And I, I know it's a slippery slope in the HR world. My HR friends also tell me that uh, no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, work, you work hard and long to think about an incentive or a, a bonus or a recognition program. You do it a couple of times. And next thing you know, it, it's like, eh, you know, again, what's next? And it's... Um, I know it's demoralizing in the HR world to have to, you know, work so hard to think about those things and realize after a couple of months, it's just not, not doing much anymore. It's not moving the needle. So, uh, and I've found that with those frequent check-ins with the team is, is it still what you want? Um, I talk a lot about making assumptions and being in human resources people make a lot of assumptions about what human resources is. And I, I've always been that employee that I want to have a say in a lot of what I do. So the autonomy is very important. I don't want to have to feel the pressure to go out with everybody. I want to be able to have that flexibility. And when you have that team contract, which I think is a brilliant idea, it's, do check in. Is it still working? Is it still what you want? And again, that will open up the lines of communication and you'll hear a lot from your employees. And sitting in my HR desk, I've always found it was easier when I do ask the employees what they want. Can't do everything and there won't be a consensus, but it makes my job easier when I don't have to sit and come up with all of the ideas to benefit the employees. Yeah. Yeah, very good point. 
Well, Anna, I think we're about up on time, and thank you for sharing all these ideas. I, I think this is really valuable, and I, I do want to encourage uh, those of you out there in the audience that are leaders or owners of businesses that if, if you haven't done enough in thinking about your people hat, <laughs> um, you know, the, this may be a springboard of, of a, a way to get started in that direction. And to that point, Anne, tell people how they can get a hold of you if they're interested in knowing more about your work. So my work, I'm Donovan HR Solutions, and you can find me at DonovanHRSolutions.com or on LinkedIn at and Donovan SPHR. Okay. Very good. Well, as always, folks, we'll have those links in the show notes. You can hop down in the bottom there and, and mash on those links and, and you'll be able to uh, get in contact with Ann. But one last time, Ann, thanks for sitting in. Really appreciate it. Doug, thank you so much. I enjoyed talking to you. You bet. And with that, folks, we are going to wrap this up. I like to remind you that we do have a video version of this show over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, look at all the archives of things we've done in the past. I'm excited. We're coming up pretty close. This won't be it, but we're pretty close to show number 300 in our uh, journey. And uh, I am always looking for your feedback and ideas and recommendations on other topics or maybe even guests that you might want to recommend. So feel free to use my social media connections also in the show notes to um, uh, let me know what your ideas about that future episode might be. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye, sign off, go out there, make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.